Welcome to this episode on the badges and mottos of the Queens of Henry VIII. My name is Philippa and I will be taking you through their mottos and badges and a brief history of each Queen. So let's get into it. Henry VIII was married to his first wife, Catherine of Aragon, for 24 years. Catherine was destined to be England's Queen even before her marriage to Henry. She had been betrothed at the age of three to Arthur, Prince of Wales, the eldest son of Henry VII and Elizabeth of York. But his premature death in April 1502, only six months into their marriage, left Catherine a young widow with an uncertain future. When Henry VII died in 1509, it was his second son, Henry, who became king. The 17-year-old king was keen to show that despite his young age, he was mature and reasoned that being married would go some way to demonstrating this. His choice of bride was already in the country, known to him, and critically was a foreign princess from a country with which the value of an alliance had been recognised decades earlier by his father. Henry and Catherine were married in a private ceremony on the 11th of June, 1509. As Queen, Catherine adopted the motto, humble and loyal, and few could argue that she didn't live up to this. Her badge was the pomegranate, slashed open to show the abundance of seed inside. The fruit was set on leaves with a crown above. The pomegranate was a symbol of Christ's resurrection and, as the seeds suggest quite directly, of fertility. A promise of a nursery full of children brought up as good Christians or a direct reminder of her Spanish homeland, maybe all of these things. Catherine's offspring would indeed turn out to be pious, but a nursery full there was not. A prince christened Henry was born on New Year's Day 1511, but died on the 22nd of February. Despite multiple pregnancies, only one child survived to adulthood, a girl, Mary. Over two decades of marriage ended in heartbreak. Henry had increasingly believed that he had attracted God's wrath for marrying his brother's widow and his eye had been taken by another. Anne Boleyn first appeared at court in early 1522 and over the next few years Henry became increasingly convinced that she was the answer to his succession problems He must marry her and sons would be sure to follow. Henry sought an annulment of his first marriage so that he would be free to marry Anne. Henry's great matter centred on his assertion that the marriage of his late brother Arthur and Catherine must have been consummated and therefore a dispensation for his marriage to Catherine granted by Pope Julius II had been based on mistruths and was invalid. The logical conclusion in Henry's mind was that his marriage to Catherine had therefore never been legal. A petition to Pope Clement VII, including the thinly veiled threat of extreme measures, sent to the Vatican in the summer of 1530, was unsuccessful. It was almost three years later that Henry and Anne finally married, the annulment of his first marriage never being fully resolved with the church in Rome. Once it was clear that Rome was not going to grant Henry his wish, Henry had looked to a resolution that meant he no longer had to seek the permission of a higher power. As God's anointed king, why should he not speak directly to God himself, Henry reasoned. 
He decisively and permanently split with Rome, making himself head of the church in England. He was now answerable only to God. As queen, Anne adopted the motto, the most happy. Her badge was a crowned falcon, holding a scepter, standing on a tree stump, or a woodstock, from which white and red flowers grew. The woodstock was an established royal badge and alluded to previous bareness, with the white and red flowers representing the offspring of Lancastrian and York blood, which the Queen would provide. The crown is also worth a mention. It is an imperial crown, not a kingly one, for Henry now had the powers of an emperor in his own kingdom. Anne gave birth to the couple's first child in September 1533, a healthy girl, Elizabeth. Sadly, and ultimately tragically, Anne would never give birth to another live child. Anne suffered a final miscarriage on the 28th of January 1536, the same day that Catherine of Aragon was buried at Peterborough Abbey. Anne's downfall when it came was rapid and brutal, taking only a matter of weeks and culminating in her execution and that of five other men, including her own brother, with whom she was falsely accused of committing adultery. On the 19th of May 1536, Anne was executed by beheading within the Tower of London. Henry seems to have been one of only a few who knew that a last-minute reprieve was not going to come, for within 24 hours of hearing news of the death of the woman whom he had moved heaven and earth for, he was betrothed to another. The month of May wasn't even over before Henry was once again married. He married Jane Seymour on the 30th of May 1536, only 11 days after Anne Boleyn's execution. Perhaps Jane had learned from the plights of her predecessors, for her adopted motto was bound to obey and serve. Her badge again suggested the forthcoming of Tudor heirs. It was a crowned phoenix rising from a castle from which sprouts two red and two white flowers. Jane is credited with all sorts of supposed womanly virtues, but she didn't live long enough in the public eye for us to really know what kind of queen, or indeed mother to the heir, she may have become, for she died not long after giving birth to Henry's longed-for son, Edward. The birth had taken place at Hampton Court Palace, where there had been much rejoicing, but celebration quickly turned into concerned prayer and finally grief and sorrow, for although the baby was healthy, Jane had suffered a postpartum infection and died 12 days later. For the first time since becoming king, Henry was without a wife or wife-to-be. His chief minister, Thomas Cromwell, saw the opportunity for an advantageous political match with a foreign princess. Since Henry had broken with Rome, a bride from a country without allegiance to the Pope was necessary. In an ill-judged move, Cromwell worked on an alliance with Cleves. Celebrated court painter Hans Holbein the Younger was sent to the Cleves court to paint the likeness of the Duke's sister, Anna. We have been led to believe that Henry and Anna's first meeting on New Year's Day 1540, when Henry surprised Anna in disguise, was so disastrous that it doomed the marriage. Despite Henry's best efforts and apparently constant pleading for a way to be found to get him out of the forthcoming nuptials, the wedding went ahead on the 6th of January 1540. For her badge, Anna adopted a golden escarbuncle, the coat of arms of Cleves, and as her motto, 
God send me well to keep, which was inscribed on her wedding ring. The marriage was over in six months. Anna, pragmatically, if with little choice, agreeing to an annulment and was well rewarded in the accompanying settlement for her compliance with Henry's wishes. More recent research provides a much more plausible rationale for the relationship's failure, setting it against the tinderbox political situation on the continent and the strong reticence of Henry to align with any side. This helps explain also the immediate and ongoing genuine affection Henry appeared to feel for Anna, who was welcome at court and henceforth referred to by him as my sister. With wife number five, Henry was back to his old ways, marrying someone who'd served in his previous wife's household and who he fancied. The bride was 30 years his junior and had caught his eye when she served as a maid of honour to Arno of Cleves. Catherine Howard, a cousin of Anne Boleyn's, was youthful and fun, just what the ageing and increasingly bloated king must have thought would be good for him. Henry called Catherine his blushing rose without a thorn and her badge was indeed a crowned Tudor rose with no thorn. As Queen, Catherine adopted the motto, no other will than his. Yet, of all Henry's wives, she was the one who wounded him most because Henry for once was not in control of circumstances. In a chain of events not unlike those of her cousin, Catherine found herself arrested, taken to the Tower of London and eventually preparing for death. Unlike her cousin, the allegations of adultery were not a total fabrication. Catherine, still in her early 20s, was beheaded within the walls of the Tower of London and buried in St Peter ad Vincula, nearby to her cousin. Catherine Parr, the sixth and final wife of Henry VIII, the one schoolchildren are told survived, was a goddaughter of Henry's first wife, Catherine of Aragon, whom she was also named after. Catherine adopted the motto, to be useful in all that I do, and she lived up to it. Not only did she nurse an increasingly ill Henry VIII, she managed the accompanying temper too. She wasn't, however, just his nursemaid, and she didn't play it safe. As a religious reformer, she used her position to discuss matters of religion in England with Henry, alarming the conservative faction at court and almost leading to her own arrest. Her badge was a crowned maiden rising out of a Tudor rose. The choice of the Tudor rose is obvious, but the maiden head had long been associated with the Parr family. A maiden is also symbolic of virtue and purity. Although Catherine did outlive Henry VIII, she outlived him by just under 18 months. Before her betrothal to Henry, Catherine had wished to marry the brother of Henry's third wife, a man called Thomas Seymour. However, she considered that God had chosen her to be Henry's wife and took it as a duty. When Henry died, and with a haste that many at the time considered distasteful, she married Thomas just four months after her third husband's death. She soon became pregnant for the first time in her life, despite this being her fourth marriage, and gave birth to a baby girl at Sudley Castle in Gloucestershire. Tragically, she died a few days later, on the 5th of September, 1548. The one who did survive was Anna of Cleves, who lived through Edward VI and Mary I's reigns, dying the year before Elizabeth came to the throne. She is the only one of Henry and his wives to be buried in Westminster Abbey. Henry is buried in St George's Chapel, Windsor, alongside Jane Seymour. 
Catherine of Aragon remains in Peterborough at what is now the cathedral. Anne Boleyn and her cousin Catherine Howard are in St Peter ad Vincula and Catherine Parr's tomb is at St Mary's, a private chapel at Sudley Castle. Which of Henry's queens do you most admire? Let me know in the comments. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please give it a like, consider subscribing to this channel and take a look for the other historian interviews and documentaries.